Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I serve as the senior pastor of Stonington Baptist Church in Paxinos, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm coming to you uh, this week with another episode of this podcast. Uh, I invite you to uh, just kind of sit back and relax. Hopefully you have a cup of coffee in hand, or perhaps if coffee's not your thing, uh, a cup of tea, perhaps, whatever is your respective method for uh, getting comfy and cozy and listening to something uh, insightful. I pray that that's what this can be for you. Uh, I invite you to have a Bible in hand uh, as we seek to uh, just glorify God through uh, just talking about His Word and reflecting on uh, how uh, His Word has been impacting me uh, lately. That's what I aim to do, and uh, hopefully you can uh, find this enjoyable and encouraging and enriching to your faith. Uh, just a little um, sketch of what I want to do uh, in today's uh, edition of the Ministry Minded Podcast is I'm going to just share some uh, personal updates and just some things that are going on with me, uh, as well as uh, dive into just kind of further discussing some recent uh, sermons that I've been uh, able and privileged, honored to deliver uh, during our Sunday evening series in which we're walking through the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, and then I'm going to talk about uh, a couple of books that I've finished recently and just how uh, they've impacted me and why I think that you should uh, read them as well. So we're going to do all that, and hopefully you will find this uh, this discussion uh, and this conversation and me just sharing my thoughts. Hopefully you'll find that helpful uh, and insightful and, and beneficial to you and your walk with God. Everything I do is, is aimed at that particular end, uh, glorifying God with all that we do and say and think and uh, how we, how we interact, how we uh, walk along with others as you know, that proverbial saying that how we do life with one another. Uh, hopefully uh, that's what this little conversation can do for you. Um, I've even a conversation with myself, so I don't know if it counts as a conversation, but regardless, that's what we're going to do. Uh, just walk through some stuff, and hopefully you'll be benefited uh, through the course of that. Uh, before we get there, uh, let me just, of course, give a quick word about the, this podcast's presenting sponsor, which is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans. 
and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. Thanks again to Fresh Roasted Coffee for sponsoring this show. Uh, now, let's proceed. Um, so what's going on with me lately? Uh, so, so just some personal stuff. I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of writing. I've been really diving into uh, the texts of Scripture for my um, Sunday morning series, which has been really capturing a lot of my attention. Um, I'm, If you know, I've been going through First and Second Kings, which... Um, is a particularly robust uh, piece of scripture to examine. Uh, I've been very uh, much benefited and helped by the commentary efforts of Dale Ralph Davis, who you might want to kind of earmark for later in this uh, episode. He's going to pop back up again. But uh, so that's really been um, taking up a lot of my writing efforts is just um, my examination of those particular books. There's so many, um, there's so much depth to those books. There's so much data that's being conveyed in a, a short amount of time uh, that it requires a lot of keeping things in cohesion and keeping things together uh, so that, you know, uh, various themes don't get lost in all the minutia. Uh, that's really easily done in historical books, and especially First and Second Kings, which are so focused on uh, the reprehensibility, the really, <laughs> for lack of a better way to term it, the, the really bad guys that have come to the throne, especially the throne of Israel. Um, so anyways, uh, I invite you to go to the Stonington Baptist Church podcast. Uh, there's a link to that in the resources. Uh, and just listen to some of those sermons. I've really poured uh, my heart and soul into those, and hopefully they impact you. Hopefully you found those beneficial. I've been greatly moved um, by my own study of these passages and how they they clearly show our need for a deliverer, need for someone truly divine, truly perfect, truly holy, and uh, all of the changes and the hopes that we put in change, so to speak, fall flat on their face if our hope isn't in the one who is our living hope. Um, and again, earmark that, I'm going to come back to that in a little bit when I talk about the, the books that I've been reading. Um, but another thing that's been going on with me recently, I, I, I suppose I should share this. I'm at the very early stages. So I don't know if it's premature, but it's going to happen some sooner or later. Um, is I have begun the process of trying to write a book. Um, as you know, I've had a book sort of in the works for several years, uh, which would just be uh, sort of a, a, recap, um, a recapitulation, if you will, 
of my sermon series on the on Psalm 119. So I've had that in the works for a while. I've been trying to finish that up, and that's just been a long gestating product or project. I will say too that I'm working on compiling all my sermons from First Kings into a book just that's handy that you can reference. So hopefully I can make that available in the coming months. But um, another book that I've been working on, and if you have any resources or or insights or stories that you'd like to send my way, send me an email. Um, you can email me, pastorbradjgray at gmail.com, um, because, well, I guess I should tell you the theme. Uh, the theme of the book is really just finding God in our darkest moments. And um, this is really going to be sort of a reflection uh, of reminiscent a book that reminisces, uh, so to speak, on the year that changed my life, which is um, the year 2018. Uh, if you have been following my writing efforts for any length of time, you'll know that uh, during the course of that year, uh, my mom suffered a very severe mental health crisis, if you will, um, which really served as a crucible of my own faith, let alone her her life, um, there were so many things that developed out of that year. And um, all of them, I can say now in hindsight, have proved to be uh, shaping and affecting in one way or another. Of course, it wasn't uh, enjoyable at the time. And I would say that even my reflection on those moments isn't necessarily enjoyable. But I would say that it is healthy for me to put into words sort of the ways in which I have been shaped uh, through the course of those trials, through the course of those um, treacherous seasons. And hopefully, um, through the course of writing this, you will find that beneficial too. You know, and I don't mean to say that I have anything new or novel or particularly, you know, like, wow worthy to say. Um, and maybe that's not a good thing to say since I'm, I would be trying to sell that book. But um, I would also just say that... It, suffering is so indicative to the human experience, uh, especially the Christian's experience, that um, I think what I aim to do in this book is just is, is just show, why, show that that is true, uh, that it's always been true, and that even more um, precious uh, to that subject and to that concept is just the fact that um, our suffering is not a suffering in which we are doing it alone. We're not going at it by ourselves. Uh, we have one who suffers with us. That's sometimes hard to imagine, but there's no more truer truth, if you will, than that, that there's, there is no one who suffers by themselves if they are of the kingdom of God. There's a, there's a savior who suffers alongside them and who hopes to instill them, imbue them with, with the comfort that he can only give when we are in those moments of uh, calamity and catastrophe. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to share that. I'm really excited about it. I've been talking with some uh, uh, some mentors, I would say, some advisors, uh, getting um, um, insight on how to craft a book. Um, if you know, uh, I've contributed to a book before, uh, the Mockingbird Devotional. Uh, there's a link to that in the notes below. 
uh, this podcast. I've also self-published a book. It was a long time ago. I'm actually in the process of revising that just slightly. Um, uh, so uh, this would be, though, my first kind of foray into the world of real publishing, if you will. Um, but I'm excited for that process. So just Pray for me, if you will, as I contemplate those themes and hopefully um, whenever this book releases, either through a publisher or through another self-publishing venture, uh, I hope to get this book uh, out sometime next year. But I'm, again, I'm not going to make any promises just so I don't have to put a deadline on myself. <laughs> uh, but I'm really excited for that process. And uh, God's been good and he's been so Again, he's been so shaping. Uh, his Holy Spirit has moved on me ever since that summer in ways that I can't even fathom. And so I'm excited to be able to just reflect on that. And even if it's not a book that impacts a lot of other folks, it's going to impact me just in my own remembrance of those particular moments. So anyways, uh, that's what's going on with me lately. Hopefully you've been enjoying a lot of the stuff I've been putting on the blog. Uh, and, and and be sure to share. Uh, if you find this newsletter helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, share graceupongrace.net. I, I just love to write and love to share the great truths of God as uh, as seen in everyday life uh, through reading, through news, through pop culture, all that kind of stuff. So uh, share it with your friends and hopefully you can um, find some benefit in that and find some real joy in your Christian life, which is a good segue uh, to what I really wanted to talk about. Uh, I've been kind of saving this discussion. I think I mentioned that last last time. But I've been saving a discussion on uh, some of the things I've been going through in my Sunday evening sermon series. So um, again, at the link below uh, for Stonington Baptist Church's sermons podcast, uh, you'll find my Sunday evening sermon series, which is all centered around the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, I've unceremoniously entitled this sermon series, Christ Our Joy. And I say unceremoniously because um, it's not necessarily incredibly fresh or modern to say that the Philippian, the, the letter to the Philippians is about joy. Um, but again, I think that that is apt to just reference in terms of <laughs> this particular letter. Is, there's nothing the groundbreaking nature of Philippians isn't necessarily in its content. It's almost in, in sort of its unsurprising nature. And what I mean by that is that Paul doesn't aim to impress you with very, you know, elaborate, complex doctrines and dogma. Uh, and again, as we've been noting through the series, if you're uh, an attender of Stonington on Sunday evenings, you'll find this to be true. Or if you've read the Philippians, you'll find this to be true that uh, Philippians is a book that is non-disciplinary. Uh, Paul is coming to this church uh, in a very sort of pastoral, almost brotherly fashion to these brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's there just to remind them and encourage them and imbue uh, in them the, that, uh, the, the, the precise fact that, that Christ is our joy. It, and it's not this, you know, sort of <clears throat> feigned happiness, you know, like just put a smile on your face that, that he's talking about. It's specifically joy that is found 
only in Jesus the Christ. And in fact, in my studies, I found that while joy, rejoicing, are, are, are certain, is certainly a theme that appears through all four chapters, even more predominant than those words are the titles Jesus Christ, and specifically the Christ, is mentioned uh, some 40 to 50 times uh, in just four short chapters, with the predominant bulk of those mentions coming in the very first chapter, which I think leads us to very ably say what this book is about. Um, It's a very Christocentric letter. Uh, You know, often I think the Christocentricity of Paul is regarded in his books of Ephesians and Colossians, um, but even more so, and, and rightly so. I'm, not, I'm I'm trying to not to denigrate that um, in any way, but um, Philippians holds its own in terms of its Christological import and significance for the church and for those who would deem themselves Christians. Um, and I, I think that's what I love about this this particular letter is that it's 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 very devotional. It's very practical, yes, but it's also very Christological in aiming to show us just exactly what it looks like to be a Christian, um, and especially a Christian who is joyful regardless of the particular moment one finds themselves in. Um, and that, I think, is so apt, um, especially in the first chapter. Uh, if you know... One of my uh, so what I wanted to talk about is 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 really uh, the first chapter and the first well I really wanted to just talk about a couple verses in that chapter that I just find so incredibly affecting so incredibly moving. Um, so, how I've identified this this book, um, or at least this chapter. So, let me break down the first chapter, and then we're going to dive into a couple of verses that I just want to kind of stall on, and it's a it's it's an intentional stall, an intentional digression. Um, so, wh- how I've outlined chapter one is uh, in chapter one, I believe what we're seeing in uh, as Paul is here writing is. Uh, is that Christ is our life of joy. So in chapter one, uh, our joyous life is found in Christ. In chapter two, our example of joy is found in Christ. In chapter three, I would say our object of joy is found in Christ. And in chapter four, our strength and supply of joy is found in Christ, which again shows that Everything that's related to Christ is 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 able to and meant to uh, imbue one with joy, but also that joy is not separated; is not it, it cannot be untethered from Christ Himself. Uh, I think that's an important point to make. That this is not circumstantial. This is not just you know uh, I'm happy because it's uh, I find my joy, my truest, deep seated, innermost. Uh, the bowels of joy, to use Paul's words, um, f- are, are found in Christ alone. The Christ, the risen Savior, the risen King over all things is is the incredible import, uh, and inc- the incredible title that he gives throughout this letter. Um, and so I would say in verses 1 through 11 of chapter 1, I think we see the joy of Christian community. 
uh, and there in those letters, Paul talks about how he's so thankful for this church. I thank my God, he says in verse 3, upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine uh, for you all, making requests with joy. He's remembering the Philippians, and he's and he's expressing just the fact that every time he remembers them, he is thankful for them, and he's thankful for this amazing community that has been able to be built and established on the Christ who saves sinners and does miracles through the lowly and the weak. And he, and, and, and what we did when we were examining those particular portions of uh, those particular verses is kind of relay back to Acts chapter 16 and look at how the founding of the Philippian church happened in very unexpected ways that leads to this joyous Christian community where Paul is is able to just exalt uh, the gospel and their fellowship and their confidence in that gospel. So we have the joy of Christian community in verses 1 through 11. Verses 12 through 26, I think we find the joy of Christian thanksgiving, which I want to get to in a moment. And then in verses 27 through 30, I think we see uh, the joy of Christian confidence, where he's talking about uh, this lifestyle, this conversation, as he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you, verses 20, verse 27 again, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Um, so there, I think we clearly see that the Christian life of joy that's found in Christ, it energizes, it, it galvanizes, it fosters Christian community, Christian thanksgiving, and Christian confidence, which I think very ably um, identifies and defines what it means to live a life of joy, live a life of Christian joy specifically. In though this middle portion, um, verses 12 through 26 of chapter 1, and what I've entitled the joy of Christian thanksgiving, you know, we have this sort of example of what it means to be thankful. What does it mean to be thankful? Um, and Paul epitomizes this in such a remarkable way. This idea of being grateful or having this active gratitude being descriptive of us in our lives of faith, in our lives of devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't just tell them that they should do this. He doesn't say, oh, go out and be thankful. Uh, what I love is the fact that Paul just kind of relays his own experiences. And in that, he's embodying and he's epitomizing exactly what it means to be uh, thankful uh, and having this joyous Christian thanksgiving. And I just love verses 12 and 14, or 12 through 14. Um, let me just read them for you, because I think this is how, and this is why I think this letter is so powerful and impactful, is that Paul just kind of says stuff that <laughs> is so incredibly amazing, and that we should just take pause um, to really reflect on the incredible testimony that he's relaying in these verses. So, verse 12 of chapter 1, Paul writes, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. <laughs> I just love... I love what he's saying in this particular moment just because 
again, think about what's going on. Paul is he's writing this letter from a Roman prison. He's, as he makes reference to, he's in bonds, he's in chains. And rather than what the Philippians might think is happening, which is namely the hindrance of the gospel, the confinement of a very flourishing ministry, rather than what they might have believed to have assumed to be happening, which is a very large obstacle being put in the way of the mission of Jesus Christ to make disciples, to evangelize the lost, to plant churches, um, Paul makes a striking testimony of just the fact that this hasn't in one tiny degree hindered the gospel. Actually, as he says, everything that has happened unto me, all of the the the, uh, the really insane events which have led to my confinement and my imprisonment have actually led, as he says, to the furtherance of the gospel. It's been progressed. It's been advanced. And actually, the message of Christ has flourished. Yes, even as I've been in chains. It hasn't been hindered one iota, one, one tiny degree. Actually, as Paul is here saying, it's been furthered. He's been able to preach the gospel. And so that it has been now manifested in all of the palace. <laughs> Everyone knows why I'm here, he's saying. All of this, all the people that are around me, this, the, the entire Roman guard, if you will, has, has been unable to uh, escape my evangelistic f- uh, fervor. <laughs> Which is just so amazing to me. <laughs> because by locking Paul up, they've actually given Paul a, a captive audience. Even though he's the captive one, <laughs> they've given him a captive audience with which he's been able to just manifest and proclaim the gospel to, to soldiers who would have otherwise never had a care for this Jesus of Nazareth who is both Lord and Messiah. See, Paul, Paul knew what I think we so often forget is that God is absolutely sovereign over his gospel. He's absolutely sovereign over the furtherance of his kingdom. So, uh, this is what I think Paul finds here. He can find joy in Christian thanksgiving, yes, despite this apparent delay in his mission being accomplished, precisely because he knew that this mission wasn't on his shoulders. <laughs> it wasn't up to him necessarily. He, yes, of course, he had lots of, of responsibilities. He had lots of, of assignments, lots of duties that were put on him but the ultimate the 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 ultimate uh, sort of one responsible for the furtherance of this mission and this cause wasn't the apostle paul it was christ alone therefore he could be joyful in lockdown precisely because he knew that the kingdom was advancing even if it seemed as though he was not <laughs> This was undoubtedly not an opportune moment, yet God was using it for good to sort of parrot Joseph's testimony in Genesis 50, verse 20. God planned it for good to bring about the present result 
Even though it was planned for evil, all the evil things that happened under Joseph were actually worked out unto his good and others' good. Other people's good. And the same thing is happening here, that what was planned for evil against the Apostle Paul is actually developing into the advance of the gospel and the good of many people. Again, it's been fascinating to me to see how this is true in so many of our lives, in so many moments of our lives. There are purposes that are at work in our lives that is, is, is so hard to either fathom how they can be good. Martin Luther says that in one of his commentaries on the Psalms, that God's work on his saints, his children, is, quote, one thing in appearance, but quite a different thing in reality. He seems to kill, but in reality he makes alive. He wounds, but in reality heals. He confounds, but at that very time, in reality glorifies. He bringeth down to the grave, but at that very time, rather, brings up from the grave. Perhaps recently, it's felt a lot more like that killing and wounding and confounding. That's been the work of God, but I think there's actually something much deeper going on. Something much truer. Actually... If I can, if you will, I think that our life has never been ungirded. It's never been sort of untethered from the deep magic of God. <laughs> this is something that I'm kind of stealing, parroting from, uh, of course, the writer C.S. Lewis in his great work, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. And he talks about this deep magic, which seems to work things backwards. Listen, in this description of the great emperor beyond the sea, or the son of the great emperor beyond the sea, Aslan, who is the epitome, the embodiment in Lewis's Narnia of Christ himself, quote, though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still, which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start to work backward. Of course, this is the amazing sort of allegorical approach that Lewis takes, or applicable approach that Lewis takes to the great story of the resurrection and how death works backwards because of the perfect one's death. Yet even still, I would say that this deep magic, which works things backwards, works things in an upside down sort of way, it's the same sort of deep magic that has undergirded our entire lives in which things that appear to be devastating have not yet once stopped the furtherance of the gospel. God has never been hindered. He's never been caught off guard. He's never been delayed in what he aims to do with his church, for his people, with this world. F.B. Meyer writes this, At the end of all things, the beneficent purposes of God have not been hindered one whit, but promoted and fostered by all that has been done to frustrate them. 
This is the mystery of God's providence, that so far from being set aside by evil, evil helps by furnishing the material on which the fire of the gospel feeds and flames to the furthest limits of God's universe. (laughs) The advance of the good news of Jesus Christ can never be confined or chained down. At every single moment it is being advanced. It proceeds on and on forever. Precisely because the one in whom we proclaim, the one in whom we find in that gospel is none other than the forever Christ, the forever King, the one who cannot be stopped or hindered by anything that we conjure, let alone by anything that the devil conjures. We can rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. Even as Paul goes on to say in the following verses that when he is proclaimed in ways that don't appear to be true or orthodox. (laughs) Have you ever thought about this? Notice, after proclaiming so eloquently the abundance of joy that he has in this furtherance of the gospel despite apparent delays and what have you, notice what he says. Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. This, to me, is an amazing testimony. A testimony that, regardless of what it looks like in the aftermath of the collision of man's failure and the faith of the gospel. If Christ is preached, we can rejoice. And this is a remarkable statement. It appears as though in this sort of digression where Paul is talking about how some of these who've been encouraged to preach Christ are doing so out of envious gain, and some are doing it out of sincere, genuine joy— that it doesn't really matter how that looks, as long as one is motivated and and, 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 and promptly imbued with the message of Christ. As long as that is what matters, then nothing else really matters. Which, again, is perhaps true from the text, but I think what I find in this text is, I would say, a very strong word for those who see the failures of preachers. Our day, um, as you perhaps know, is riddled with deconversions, <laughs> with desertions from the faith, with those who've preached Christ fall away, fall into contempt, fall into scandal, fall into disbelief, fall into sin, wickedness. And I think there's a tendency to believe that when that happens, that again, somehow, God's kingdom is being impeached and impugned, but also that somehow, that because of the apparent envy and strife that motivated certain Christian preachers that we ought to discount all that they said and that we are left at ground zero in the wake of their devastating failure. (laughs) 
And I would say that <laughs> while I, 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 I would say I don't necessarily believe that that's true. What is one to do then with the, the news of all these people falling from grace, so to speak? I would say that their falls don't discount the cause of Christ. I think we can cling to this word from Jesus or word from Paul regarding this Jesus the Christ and cling to that whenever we hear of preachers and ministers falling from the truth. We can cling to that precisely because Christ is true regardless of whether or not those who proclaim them turn out to be true. If we find out eventually that so many preachers have actually been motivated by something other than the gospel, does that negate what they have spent their lives preaching. No, because we can rejoice. Why? Because Christ is preached. Notwithstanding the soundness of the preacher's life, the sound doctrine of God persists because Christ persists. We can be uplifted in that. Yes, so despite the apparent delay and the the detriment of having scandals just totally seem to frustrate the cause of Christ, despite the apparent delay of having incarceration seeming to frustrate the cause of Christ, we are not given to panic precisely because God's kingdom will prevail whether we prevail or not. God's kingdom, God's church is sustained not by our fortitude, it's sustained by the one who is the sustainer of all things, the Christ. He's the one who allows for all of this to remain true, to remain so incredibly precious. This incredible fact, yes, that despite what it appears, appears like, what, despite what appears to be happening and going on in front of us, there is one who is truer than all of that. There is one who is working deep magic into this moment, this incredibly um, true and palpable grace. Yes, at all times, he's working it so that we can rejoice knowing that his church will continue even as those who are in the church fall away. We can have heart. We can take heart because that it remains true. This is always true. And it's always been true and always will be true. And this is something that I really have to just, I have to cite the fact that this is something that I've been so instilled by and through the course of reading Dale Ralph Davis. Dale Ralph Davis, the, the author and commentator that I've that I referenced earlier, who has been so influential in my studies of First and Second Kings, has a book that I cannot recommend to you highly enough entitled The Word Became Fresh, How to Preach from Old Testament Narrative Texts. Now, let me just say that at first you might think that that's just a book for preachers, those who stand behind the pulpit every week. And perhaps that's what it's mainly geared to in some senses, but what I love about Davis's his style 
at first you have to know is very playful. <laughs> he delights in in talking about these texts of scripture that are rather uh, gruff. But I love too is just the fact that what he does throughout all of these passages is show just how confident you and I can be in the fact that throughout all of, in, in his terms, the sludge and crud and confusion of our life, that that's the precise, to quote again, Davis, that's the precise soil that produces the fruit of his faithfulness, end quote. And how this relates is because he has this wonderful, wonderful passage. Listen to this quote from Davis in The Word Became Fresh. Quote, the kingdom is often only present in its mustard seed form. So don't be overly upset when the church doesn't seem to be flourishing, when she is beaten down and nearly brought to eclipse, when she looks like nothing among the real powers of the world. For God often does things the hard way, the weak way. <laughs> this to me is amazing. And it's amazing not just because Dale Ralph Davis puts it in such a way that is so endearing and delightful, but precisely because it's so true. That God does things almost antithetical to our sense and logic. And he shows and he confounds our sense and our logic to show just how faithful he is. To show how uh, sovereign he is. So how true he is. So how powerful he is. No more, uh, I think, more evident, uh, of course, than in the Old Testament scriptures, but also nowhere more evident than in Paul's life himself, where he says, actually, being in chains hasn't one ounce hindered the gospel. It's been furthered. It's flourished. Confounding sense. Confounding logic. <laughs> I cannot recommend to you enough, the word became fresh. Another book, just to wrap up our time here today, that I invite you to read uh, by David M. King, uh, entitled, Your, o Your Old Testament Sermon Needs to Get Saved, A Handbook for Preaching Christ from the Old Testament. Um, this is another in the same sort of vein. If you might know, uh, I've been collecting a lot of resources on this idea of preaching Old Testament narratives uh, in a Christological sense. Both of these books do that similarly, but also in different ways. Uh, David M. King is more of a broad approach to Christological sermons from the Old Testament. And he does a lot of good things, some things that I don't necessarily agree with um, in the way that he constructs his book, but I would say it's very helpful, very informative, especially the first half of the book in terms of its very robust, I would say, proof for why this is necessary and why it should be the practice and habit of preachers to preach Christ from the Old Testament. Uh, I hope to get a review on that, on that in the coming days. Uh, I have a review coming out next week on The Word Became Fresh, so look out for that. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. Uh, I've included some of my recent essays where I've talked about these themes uh, similarly uh, in, in similar ways. So hopefully you find those also an article from Randall R. Greenwald of a great little Substack newsletter that I found recently that I've really enjoyed. Um, so read that one. And also Jared C. Wilson's great article from a couple weeks ago called the bird with a leaf in her mouth. So go read those. Those are great. Click the links, get some of those books, uh, be encouraged, be encouraged by the fact that God's kingdom proceeds 
because he is sovereign over it. Yeah, despite what it looks like, his kingdom will always proceed. Uh, and we can be thankful. We can be joyful uh, in that truth. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've been blessed by this episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast. Go subscribe. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, all the places where you can get your podcasts. I really sincerely do appreciate your support, your encouragement, your prayers. Uh, thanks for either being just a listener or being a member of Stonington Baptist Church. This is uh, just an extension of my ministry to you. I hope that you're encouraged and blessed. Uh, I'm praying for you. And uh, if you need uh, further prayer uh, for, uh, or anything at all that I can do to help you, please reach out to me. Otherwise, I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings. Blessings.